This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Powered by Righteous Media. Welcome to Independent Americans. Welcome to episode 178. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. July 4th just passed, and it's supposed to be a time of celebration. But America's deep and urgent problems don't take holidays off. And now, more than ever, everywhere you are, now is a time to stay very vigilant. It happened again. It happened again. This time in Highland Park, Illinois, on July 4th, at an Independence Day parade. Another one. America's war versus gun violence doesn't take holidays off. At least six are dead and at least 30 are wounded. Among the dead, Irina and Kevin McCarthy. They were parents at a parade with their little two-year-old boy. Aiden, who was found wandering through the crowd alone after the shooting. Two years old, Aiden is now an orphan. His parents blasted around him, gone forever in a July 4th massacre. It happened again. Another community turned into a battlefield. Another high-powered weapon of war unleashed on a peaceful American community. Another town devastated. Another child orphaned. The Highland Park victims' bodies were blown up. That's what the doctors said who treated them. Blown up by the force of the weapon that the gunmen used. All of us who've served in war zones know what that looks like. And we should never have to see it happen to our civilian friends and family here at home. And the town's mayor says the rifle was purchased legally. When I was in Iraq, if somebody had a rifle like that, it'd be confiscated. But in Illinois, in 2022, it's perfectly legal. And later that night, on July 4th, on Ben Franklin Parkway in Philadelphia, during the fireworks show, another shooting, another one. Thousands of people ran in panic. Our Independence Day 2022 was not independent of the gruesome and unique violence that is ripping across our country, taking more lives in the Vietnam War, Iraq War, or Afghanistan War. It's literally war in the streets of America. That's what war sounds like. I know. 
It's what I heard in Iraq. And it's now what we hear in America daily. This is our nightmare new normal. And staying vigilant now means staying vigilant everywhere. Everywhere is a battlefield. Everywhere can be an instant war zone. Nowhere is safe. Not your house of worship, not your supermarket, not your local gas station, not your local 4th of July parade, not even your own house. Last month, a seven-year-old Texas boy was shot and killed while he was lying in bed. Little Paul Vasquez was killed in his own house during a drive-by. And in Birmingham, Alabama, a 15-year-old is in critical condition after being shot while playing video games with friends in his bedroom when a bullet came through his window. Nowhere is safe. And when I say now is a time to stay vigilant, boy, do I mean it. And boy, do you understand. More than any other time in our lifetime. This is a national security priority of the highest order. Everywhere across America this 4th of July weekend. Every firework display caused a cringe. Every backfiring car caused a flinch. Every loud noise caused people to duck and cover. This is not Ukraine. This is America. And last episode, I said on this Independence Day 2022, everything was different now. And every day, it's more different and more dark and more dire. And throughout the 4th of July weekend, Hundreds of millions of Americans weren't feeling like they have a lot of independence right now. They didn't have independence from gun violence, from extremism, from hate crimes, from legal changes that are snatching away their rights, from inflation, from anxiety, from all of it. This remains our dark summer. A summer that feels less independent than any other summer of our time. And the stakes are so so high. The stakes are flying higher than an F-14. But every day is a chance to swoop in and make things better. Every tragedy sees heroes stepping up to be helpers, and every challenge is an opportunity for someone to lead, to challenge the status quo, to push through the pain to not give up, no matter how bad it gets. And every time you need some inspiration, look on over at Ukraine. They're still fighting. They're still uniting. They're still leading for each other, but also for the world in the fight against tyranny, oppression, genocide, and against Putin. The people of Ukraine are holding the line, not just against Russia, but against hopelessness. As we passed our own Independence Day, one in blood, we see them fighting and dying every day for their own independence and for the independence of free societies everywhere. Russia redoubled its push into Ukraine's eastern Donbass region, and the Ukrainian military, still outmanned and outgunned, is pushing them back. And following a series of Ukrainian missile attacks, Russian forces have withdrawn from Snake Island in the Black Sea. The Ukrainians have gotten back Snake Island, a major victory for Ukraine. And the same little island that once inspired a nation and the world with the now legendary cry, Russian warship 
go fuck yourself. Snake Island may be the midway of the war in Ukraine. And as we reflect on that key turning point in World War II, midway, we reflect on the sacrifice, leadership, and example of that generation of Americans, our greatest generation, our generation that stood up to tyranny, our generation that inspired free people everywhere, defeated a dictator, and saved the world. And this week, we lost one of the best of them. Herschel Woody Williams was the last remaining Medal of Honor recipient from World War II. He was 94 years old, and he died at the Huntington, West Virginia Veterans Affairs Hospital, named after him. He was born in 1923 on a dairy farm in West Virginia, the youngest of 11 children. They tried to disqualify him from the military for being too short, but he enlisted in the Marine Corps and landed on Iwo Jima on February 21st, 1945. Two days later, he famously destroyed enemy emplacements with a flamethrower, going forward alone into machine gun fire, covered by only a couple of riflemen. And his Medal of Honor citation stated, he fought bravely for four hours under terrific enemy small arms fire and repeatedly returned to his own lines to prepare demolition charges and obtain serviced flamethrowers for wiping out one enemy position after another. At one point, he daringly mounted a pillbox to insert the nozzle of his flamethrower through an air vent, which killed all the enemy occupants and knocked out the machine gun. Woody Williams got the Medal of Honor from President Harry Truman at the White House in 1945. He retired after 20 years in the Marine Corps and the Reserves, and following World War II, he worked for the Department of Veterans Affairs for 33 years as a Veterans Service Representative. Woody Williams also created a foundation and established more than 100 Gold Star Family Memorial Monuments across the U.S., with 72 more on the way. Woody Williams will lie in honor at the U.S. Capitol in the rotunda. Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer announced it this week. I spoke to Speaker Pelosi about it on the phone, and I told her that I supported this effort, that it could be a unifying moment for America, regardless of your party, regardless of your geography. Woody Williams is the kind of person, the kind of leader, the kind of helper who can inspire. Woody Williams was the embodiment of a patriot a leader, and a helper, like so many of the men and women who served in World War II. He's the kind of story we need to be reminded about in times like this especially. His body lying in state in the Capitol will be a fitting salute to him, but also to all World War II vets, as we lose 234 of them every day. They're almost all gone, but they've shown us the way forward that liberty must be preserved. Freedoms must be fought for. That includes now. That includes here. And our guest in this episode is leading that fight, soaring high above the fight and swooping in to provide support. And this week, I stood with her and Iraq veteran and former Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America Executive Director Allison Jaslow to launch Operation Liberty. In advance of Independence Day, Together, we launched Operation Liberty, a plan to protect American troops, veterans, and our national security after Roe. We've covered it on this show. The decision to overturn Roe will have devastating impacts on women and non-binary service members and veterans. It will also significantly weaken our overall national defense. 
It'll damage morale, readiness, recruiting, and retention, and it already has. And this decision doesn't just impact women and non-binary service members. It impacts everyone in the military and veteran community and everything that we touch. Therefore, it impacts all Americans. So check out more at OperationLiberty.us. We just launched it this week. We lay out the immediate nonpartisan action that has to be taken now to take care of our own, minimize the harm, and plan for the future. As our country recognized its independence and liberty this July 4th, we stood for our own independence and liberty as veterans and as citizens. We're an experienced group of leaders from the military and veterans community, and we will fight for actions to protect ourselves, our service members, our fellow veterans, and the future of the country we love. And you're going to hear more about it in this episode. Specifically, the DOD can and should take immediate action within its authority to protect service members in the states that now have laws restricting access to abortion services. Over at the VA, they can lift the ban on abortion services and counseling at the VA immediately. And the VA must change its exclusionary and discriminatory motto once and for all. We're laying out a plan. Because we stand with our troops and veterans, we stand with America, we stand with liberty. And that's what Operation Liberty is all about. It's time to stand for liberty, for women, for Ukraine, for our children, for ourselves. Our nightmare new normal in America keeps getting worse. And our nightmare new normal is Putin's dream. And our enemies are celebrating. In our last episode, we talked about it in an angle you wouldn't get anywhere else. We talked about how Roe will impact the military and vets. We talked to Lindsay Church from Minority Veterans of America. If you haven't heard that, go back and check it out. And we're continuing that conversation, and we're extending it, and digging into all the latest headlines. From a confusing July 4th, to Ukraine's air war, to gun violence in America, we're talking to a former Marine Corps pilot and Senate candidate, about all that and Top Gun Maverick versus the original. We're going to talk to the real-life Maverick, former Marine F-18 pilot, proud American, proud Kentuckian, mom of Teddy, George, and Ellie, and certified American badass, Colonel Amy McGrath. Marine Corps veteran Amy McGrath joined us way back on episode 17. We sat down in person when she first launched her campaign for Senate against Mitch McConnell. You may remember Amy graduated from the Naval Academy and was commissioned as a Marine Corps officer back in 1997. She earned her wings of gold as an F.A. 18 weapons system officer and completed two combat deployments, flying 89 combat missions in Iraq and Afghanistan. And in 2002, as a weapons systems officer, Amy became the first woman in the Marine Corps to fly a combat mission in an F-A-18. She was a combat tactics instructor and a graduate of the Marine Corps Division Tactics Course. And she completed a third combat deployment in Helmand Province, Afghanistan in 2010. She went on to serve as a congressional fellow advising senior members of the House of Representatives Armed Services Committee on Defense and Foreign Policy. And she served in the Pentagon as a Marine Corps liaison to the State Department and other agencies. She got a postgrad degree from Johns Hopkins, and her final duty assignment was as senior instructor in the political science department at the Naval Academy before retiring at the rank of lieutenant colonel 
moving back to Kentucky to raise her family and get into politics. In 2018 and 20, she ran in the House and Senate races in Kentucky. And she joined us on this show back in 2019, not long after she launched her campaign against Mitch McConnell. She lost that battle, but the fight continued. And she started Honor Bound Incorporated, a 501c4 nonpartisan organization focused on leadership development for women with a service background and encouraging women to run for office. And she wrote a book, Honor Bound, an American story of dreams and service. She's a leader who's been in front for America for decades. And she shares her hard lessons on leadership, sacrifice, and patriotism. Yeah, starting this summer, every season is a fire season. And after Independence Day, everything is different. And now, the fire just keeps coming. And we need a fighter pilot. A fighter pilot with the guts. A fighter pilot with the experience. And a fighter pilot with the focus. The fire isn't stopping. It just keeps coming like enemy anti-aircraft fire all around us. It can feel like the fire is so thick, you'll never get through it. And we need leaders who can dodge and dive and soar. We need a new breed of Top Gun pilots. Not just in the cockpit, but on the airwaves, in the halls of Congress, in our communities. We need the best. You're a hell of an instinctive pilot. Maybe too good. I'd like to bust your butt, but I can't. I got another problem here. I got to send somebody from this squadron to Miramar. I got to do something here. I, I, I still can't believe it. I got to give you your dream shot. I'm going to send you up against the best. You two characters are going to Top Gun. We need Top Gun pilots. Not for a movie, but in real life. For America's future. Welcome to a conversation with a different kind of maverick. Welcome to Top Gun 2022. Welcome to Independent Americans, episode 178. independent Americans around the country and around the world. July is here. The dog days of summer are here. We have gotten through one of the wildest July 4th in recent memory, and we need a leader to help us make sense of it, hopefully to inspire us, and I think to ground us in the bigger picture. And I could think of nobody better than a returning champion on the show. The great and powerful Amy McGrath is back on Independent Americans. Welcome back, my friend. Hey, good to be here. So you and I talk often about the state of the world, and I'm eager to talk to you about all of it, to talk about the mass shootings, to talk about Ukraine, to talk about Roe. Um, but I, I want to start by asking you something I ask of, of everyone. Where are you and how are you? Well, I'm in lovely central Kentucky. Uh, I'm in Lexington right now at my office, and I am doing well. My family is all doing well. We are sort of recovering from Fourth of July weekend, and um, you know, it's uh, it's the middle of summer here, obviously. So we're we're deep into uh, little league baseball, 
and uh, and all those great things. Amy, can I ask? I've been having some conversations with folks that across this country, um, July Fourth was interesting, right? Because you're probably like me; you have conservative friends, liberal friends, independent friends. You know, obviously, you ran as a Democrat, but you're a pretty you know independent leader. Um, a lot of people were really conflicted about July Fourth. Some were, some were. I saw some people saying, "Hey, you can't celebrate." July 4th, when Roe just got overturned. Um, you know, I still celebrated it with my family. I use it as a teaching moment. I understand the pain as uh, one of, you know, the most visible um, veteran women leaders in America, someone who's run for the Senate. You're a mom, but you're also in a place like Kentucky. Can you just shape up, you know, what you, what you think about July 4th this year and how you might try to break that down for people who might be feeling really shitty about their country right now? Well, I think, uh, first of all, you have to acknowledge that feeling. Um, I read something this morning that said that, you know, Americans have sort of the, the lowest pride in our own country um, than in the last 30 or 40 years. In other words, you know, Americans aren't as proud on July 4th of, of their country as, as we used to be. And I think you have to acknowledge it. And it, it's a fact of everything that's going on. I mean, that the mass shootings, um, the January 6th uh, and the hearings that, that you're seeing. So one, we acknowledge it. Right. We don't just look the other way. And it's part of, you know, for, for those of us, you and I, Paul, have been in the military. You don't you know, you look at problems, you face them. You, you say, yeah, this is happening. Uh, one of the things I loved about the Marine Corps was that we weren't afraid to tell it like it is. And the good and the bad, we used to call it goods and others. We're in a period right now where we have a lot of others, but we also have a lot of goods. And those of us that have served and have been overseas, and I said this to my family and friends over the weekend, no matter what's happening here, it's still, our country is still a wonderful place to be. It's still a great place for your kids to grow up. And we have an obligation to make it better to continue to the fight, uh, to not throw up our, our arms and our hands and say, I, it, it's over. I can't do it anymore. You know, we have an obligation. Um, and that's what the greatest generation fought for. And that's what I'm still in the fight trying to do. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought up the greatest generation because uh, it was just announced that uh, Woody Wilson, the last living Medal of Honor recipient from World War II, will lie in state in the Capitol Rotunda. Um, we saw that the last living member of Easy Company from the Band of Brothers just passed. And I made the point that I think 243 World War II veterans are dying every day. And it's happening when it feels like our streets are a war zone. Um, you're a mom of little kids. You've also been a fighter pilot. Uh, you run as a Democrat, but you live in Kentucky. Can you um, just react to the, the recent slew of mass shootings and this new normal, the one obviously on July 4th outside of Chicago, but what seems like a violent new normal. What's, what's your take, reactions, thoughts on, on that, what I think is a national security threat and, and what seems to be the most imminent threat for everybody now? Absolutely. And my concern is that we will just start to normalize this more and more. That because the shooters are not Islamic fundamentalists or coming from the outside, that somehow this is just normal and it's just the way we have to live here in the United States of America now. And that's my concern is that um, we can't live that way. You know, I was just talking to my son, George, 
who's eight years old and he saw something on the news or he heard um, my husband and I talking about the shooting in Chicago and the fact that there were two um, parents of a young uh, child, a two-year-old who are lost both parents in that shooting. And George was asking me, well, why, why did this happen? You know, and it's so hard to, as a mom to, to explain, well, there was a random shooter. Well, is that going to happen here? You know, and you're, you're torn, right? Because you just want to say, no, George, we're, we're fine. We're going to be okay. But here we are in the United States of America. This is not the way I grew up when I was eight years old. You know, we never, my parents didn't have to have these conversations with me. And so I'm, I'm very worried. Um, I think we have to get to the point where we say, when does this end? When do these weapons of war uh, that we allow, just allow to, to be free in our country, when are we going to rein this in? Um, and I'm, you know, I'm hopeful that we have some progress on this from this bipartisan bill that, that is, um, you know, being enacted, but it's not enough. So we, we got to keep up the fight on this. I think your voice is, is going to be one of those ones that's so critical because when you hear from combat veterans saying that we don't need weapons of war, I think it's resonating with people in a different way. And, and, I, and I hope that you can get through to people who might have been dug in on this issue un, until before. I mean, if we saw, you know, the percentage increase of weapons in Afghanistan or in Iraq, we would expect an increase of violence there, too. And it's happened here. And it seems like it, we, we, we should have known this was coming. And I think we're going to need voices like yours to help shape it. Similarly, your voice is unique and powerful on understanding global affairs. Ukraine has now gotten into this grinding phase. You've been a pilot uh, in combat. Can you assess from your viewpoint, you know, when we talked last time, I think it was before the war had started, people thought the Russians were going to have immediate air dominance. Now you've got the Ukrainians who are scrappy and fighting back. Um, You've got, uh, I saw Sean Penn was in Washington asking for fighter planes for the Ukrainians. Can you give us your, your assessment of um, what's happening in Ukraine and maybe the air war in particular, given your, your sure. unique experience? Well, I think it's important to note that you can really uh, screw up the Russians day um, in lots of ways other than fighter jets. You don't have to have air dominance over the airspace in order to really um, inflict a lot of casualties and really, as I said, hurt the Russian Air Force. And so fighter jets are important, and I would love to see them get more. Uh, I would love to see their pilots be trained on some um, uh, more, how do I say this, uh, Uh, technologically savvy equipment in the fighter jet realm. However, we can give them lots of surface-to-air missile uh, systems and systems to really, you know, make it hard for the Russians to operate in the air. And that's extremely important going forward. But broadly speaking on Ukraine, I think, look, we're in a, a long fight. You know, everybody thought this was going to be real, real quick. Um, Even Vladimir Putin apparently thought that, but it's not going to be. And I think the difference, of course, is that Russia has a lot of weapons. They have a lot of manpower. They have a lot of artillery. They're pumping out more military equipment. Ukraine has um, their military establishment has been somewhat 
decimated in terms of their production capacity. So they are dependent on the West to give them, to, to provide them arms. And as long as we continue to do that, the Ukrainians, man, they're, they're going to put up a fight. And so, and they're, and it seems like they're not interested in um, coming to any kind of talks with Russia to give up any territory at this point. So I think we're in for a long fight. And I think that the West has to be prepared for that. Um, and continue, my personal opinion is to continue to supply the Ukrainians with the arms that they need. I, I want to come back to the politics of all of this, maybe in a bit, but, but talking about back home, a different kind of battle that I think Putin is celebrating, which is now that the division in this country around Roe being overturned and what looks like is going to be even more uh, a summer of tumult, potentially support for Democrats for seeing early signs that funding is increasing to Democrats who are in special elections. But Roe is now front and center. You um, and I have teamed up for this new uh, effort called Operation Liberty to talk about the impact of Roe on the, on the Defense Department and, and on veterans. Can you speak to that from a personal experience especially? Can you shape it up for people who maybe ha haven't tuned into this discussion? How, in your mind, does Roe impact the military and veterans and, and folks like you who, who served in, in, as fighter pilots and everywhere else in between? Sure. Well, I think the first thing to, to remind people of is elections matter. And we're seeing, unfortunately, the it, it, this is my opinion here, the results of the four years of Donald Trump presidency and many years prior to that of Mitch McConnell being the Senate majority leader and being able to um, change the rules to insert and, and create a Supreme Court that is um, going to push for their interests. And it's not in the interest of the American public. That's very clear. Um, all the polls indicate that the American public did not want uh, Roe to be repealed. But yet here we are. And I think that the, the talk nationally is how this is going to impact women and how it's going to impact women that don't have the means to get um, this reproductive health care that they need. But it's also um, going to impact military women. And we, and this, you and I have, have teamed up to, to do this to try to protect women in the military. Why, why does it affect them? Number one, women in the military don't get a chance to um, choose what state they get assigned to. Um, not only that, but you could be assigned to a state uh, like Texas, for example, where you have lost these basic rights and you have no say in that because you don't vote for the te Texas state legislature. So you're assigned to a state um, where you have basically no say now on these basic rights and freedoms. Also, women in the military, we don't get um, an opportunity to uh, just take off and go five states away to get the health care that we need um, in the event, say, of a sexual assault or something like that, that you may want to keep private. Now you have to tell your chain of command, um, potentially, your chain of command might deny leave, potentially. You have a problem of getting to these other states and how are you going to get these, the, the health care that you need? So there's lots of issues, privacy issues and um, and that sort of thing that this is really going to hurt women in the military. And the other thing that I'd, I'd like to mention to people is many of our biggest bases are in these very states where these rights are going away. And that's just the practical side of it. If you take back the the take a step back and recognize that a lot of us who are women in the military, I mean, we fought for our basic rights and freedom. 
This is a huge slap in the face to all of us that wore the uniform and went overseas and put our lives on the line to fight for America, to fight for our constitution. And now to see, I think for the first time in history, the Supreme Court taking away a basic right is, is really having a lot of us, both active duty and veterans, questioning, you know, hey, is our, is our biggest problem right now internal? We have to fight for our own rights internally. And that, that's a real sad state. Um, so that's why we launched this Operation Liberty um, to, to highlight this, to show people, hey, we've got to protect women in the military right now with legislation, with DOD policies to make sure that they can have the health care that they deserve, that they earned. Um, and two, to make sure that we protect veterans. And that, that includes changing the motto for the VA to be more inclusive, um, specifically for women that are now 15% of our military um, and various other things. So that's why it's so important. I'm grateful again for your leadership on Operation Liberty on all things. Um, shout out to Allison Jaslow, uh, an, another really important dynamic veteran leader who was uh, executive director at IAVA alongside me. She's leading on this as well. And it's another really powerful voice. She was the one who envisioned the motto change. And it feels like a decade ago now. I never thought it would take this long. And I hope that's maybe the easiest one we could see change because it's within the authority of the VA secretary and the president. They could wake up tomorrow and create a more inclusive environment at the VA. I think that is it's, it's, a, it's a winnable hit in the next couple of weeks, even days. Um, and over your shoulder, you've got this old Marine Corps uh, recruiting poster that says, if you want to fight, join the Marines. And I think what I'd invite people is if you want to fight, you know, now on this, join Operation Liberty and join Amy and join Allison and me and, and others. Um, Amy, you know, this is fight time with the midterms coming up. Um, I feel like Democrats are again um, overinflating their own potential. <laughs> and I see a freight train coming in November that makes things look even rougher. Um, you know, your, your race in Kentucky against Mitch McConnell was kind of a gut check for how far I think I think Democrats have to go to be able to win in a place like Kentucky. You're a decorated, you know, moderate uh, fighter pilot who's from that state. And, and you, you know, got pummeled by Mitch McConnell. Right. He outspent you. He, he, he you fought a good race. But that was a hard, hard mission. Now, the Democrats have got a guy named Charles Booker up against Rand Paul, who I think is like 16 points behind. He's going to raise a ton of money. But this, you know, to use a, a, an aviation thing, this feels like a, like a suicide mission. I don't I don't think Booker has a chance in hell. But can you give me a sense of what the environment is like this year for Democrats in Kentucky and more broadly? Well, Kentucky is an interesting state. First of all, I would say about my race in 2020, um, that was a also a presidential year. Um, this state went for for Donald Trump by like 28 points. Right. I mean, 29 points or something, something insanely big. And, um, you know, and uh, yes, Mitch McConnell defeated me and he defeated me by double digits. But I did eight points better than Joe Biden did here in Kentucky. And that's not insignificant. I mean, eight points is a lot. That's 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 you know, a couple hundred thousand people um, who basically voted for Donald Trump, but also voted for Amy McGrath. And I think that 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 shows that there is a streak uh, there of people who are tired of the same. 
Um, they want an outsider. They, you know, want somebody who served the country. They maybe want somebody who's more moderate, you know, or or just an outsider, really. And so I, I think that it, it it shows, you know, it's not it's not great. Kentucky is still a really red, red, red state. And that was just a, it was just a hill that you can't climb. But eight points better than the top of the ticket is not bad. Um, with regards to this current Senate race, it's not a presidential race. Um, and that's good, in a sense, uh, for for a Democrat here, I think. However, um, you know, I, I think Rand Paul is is uh, fairly well liked, unfortunately, um, in Kentucky. And um, so it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm of the opinion that um, most Kentuckians want common sense, that they are not um, likely to go with somebody that is really, really far um, left. If anything, they're more likely to go with somebody who's really, really far right mm. other than far left. And But they're really looking for somebody that's common sense. So, you know, I, we'll, we'll see how this, this plays out. And is it is it right that Rand Paul in Kentucky is more popular than Mitch McConnell right now? Well, historically, at least when we were doing polling um, a couple of years ago, he was. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mitch McConnell's not super popular here. He's just been around forever, and um, he has just enormously huge operation, particularly on the dark money side. Right. I mean, he basically snaps a finger and you know, stuff starts pouring in. So it's really hard to compete against that. But as Rand an out- Paul will have that too. Yeah, as an outsider, I feel like Rand Paul is, is a national disgrace. And I feel like he disgraces Kentucky on a regular basis. I think about everything from his ridiculous tantrums with 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 uh, Anthony Fauci to blocking the 9-11 first responders bill to now, you know, uh, voting against support for Ukraine. And now you've got this guy, Charles Booker on the left, who is uh, a, a very liberal African-American guy who doesn't have great name recognition. So you got a far left person and arguably a far right person. Is this one of those moments where there is a unique opportunity for an independent candidate? Uh, if Amy McGrath didn't have the baggage of running as a Democrat, it, could someone like you split the difference and do well in Kentucky in a moment like this? Um. I, I think that's possible. However, Kentucky does not have a history of independence running. Typically, what I tell people um, who want to run as independent is unless you live in Alaska or uh, Maine, uh, potentially this year, Utah, maybe even Missouri, uh, you might have an opportunity to, to, to make a difference. But um, unless you have that history of an independent winning, it's very, very hard, unfortunately, in our two-party system to really make a difference. It would, would a previous guest and friend of this show, Rex Chapman, be an, be, a, be an exception? Someone with that kind of celebrity you know, hero status and celebrity and sports status. Could somebody like Rex Chapman be the Matthew McConaughey of Kentucky? I think Rex Chapman would be a great candidate. And I've told him that. Well, I think we, we share that opinion and I hope Rex is listening. And I hope he runs because I've been saying we need to draft Rex for a long time. Amy, I hope you can stick around for a couple extra Patreon questions. But the last question I have for you, uh, that, that's a very serious one. And I can only ask you, given your unique position as a fighter pilot, uh, have you seen the new Top Gun movie? And what do you like better, the new Top Gun movie or the old Top Gun? Uh, I, first of all, I have seen it and um, I loved it. 
I like the newer one better than the old one. And it's probably not a surprise as to why. Um, there are um, at least one woman pilot uh, in the new Top Gun, which um, actually shows reality. Uh, but what I loved about it, and it sort of made me tear up in the very beginning, was if you are a Top Gun fan, you remember the beginning of both movies, they give you sort of a... Um, Oh, it's it's black background and white writing. And it says the history of Top Gun. And it says, you know, this this um, school was formed during the Vietnam War because we were getting schwacked. And um, the the men are the, are the best that the Navy and the Marine Corps have or whatever. And they formed Top Gun. I, I can't remember the exact words. Well, OK, you read that in the first movie. And then in the second movie, they added two words to that. And the two words were and women. And, you know, in other words, they have the best men and women to, to uh, be the best pilots in the world. And, and that to me, when I saw it in the second movie, really almost made me tear up because that has been my life. Not necessarily, I didn't go to Top Gun. I went to the Marine Corps version of MDTC, which is separate. But my life has been about making that and women happen and be successful. Mm -hmm. And for all of the women that did go to Top Gun or all the women that have been fighter pilots in the, in the Air Force or Navy and Marine Corps, they all know what I'm talking about because we were all out there pushing really hard to make this a success because all eyes were on us when we first started. So, I, I, you know, we talk about being the change you seek. And, and I think back to the, you telling me the story about when you wrote uh, to your senator, a member of Congress about wanting to be you know, did you say you wanted to be a fighter pilot or you wanted to be in, in the military? And, you know, fast forward, you do that. You're one of the you know most elite fighters in the U.S. military. You're breaking barriers. And now, you know, you're seeing that culture change. Maybe the VA motto needs to add that end women component, too. And if it happens, it's going to be because of you and others who have been pushing the change to, to, that will make things better for your kids and for our kids. Um, la last question, Amy, I, I got to throw this out. I mean, this is a tough time in America. You're a tough person. You were generous enough to speak to my class at Amherst when we talked about understanding 9-11. You were my students' favorite, single favorite speaker. We had some pretty amazing folks. Um, for folks that are struggling in this moment, who are feeling down, who are feeling rejected, who are feeling beat up, what's your, what's your message to them? My message is, please do not throw up your arms and give up on America. Too many men and women sacrifice too much for us throughout history. And I know it's hard and I know it's bleak uh, and it's a rough time right now. But if you are a patriot and you love this country as much as I love it, don't give up. Fight for what it should be. That's what I'm doing. Mm. Uh, and I'm following your lead. I hope you run for president. In the meantime, I'm going to be by your side in anything that you do. I'm grateful for all that you do. Uh, I have not yet seen Top Gun 2, believe it or not. You can relate because I got two little kids and I haven't been to movie theater to see something other than Paw Patrol in like two and a half years. So it's on my list. Uh, but in the meantime, I'm honored to be by your side. I'm grateful for all your leadership. And, and thank you for coming back on the show. It's always an awesome conversation, Amy. Appreciate you very much. Well, thanks for what you do and your, your um, really important, powerful voice on so many issues, Paul. Thank you, my friend. Stay vigilant. There it is, coming in hot. 
Amy is an ace, a maverick, a goose, all of it. Now you understand why she was the most popular speaker in my class this fall at Amherst. She's a true leader, and she is a motivator, and she will pick you up by your bootstraps and drive you forward. Get her book, Honor Bound, An American Story of Dreams and Service. Check out the new campaign that I've been proud to launch with her called Operation Liberty at OperationLiberty.us. And check out her organization, AmericanSOS.org. The American SOS Project has a simple goal, save our democracy. In 27 states, voters will elect their next secretary of state, a critical position responsible for the oversight of fair elections. And Donald Trump and his minions have been trying to insert themselves into key races in states like Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, states that Trump narrowly lost and would be crucial in 2024. And by handpicking big lie-believing candidates, Donald Trump, President Mayhem himself, has tried to install his cronies in these key offices that'll be in his pocket when it comes time to certify the next presidential election. So Amy and her team are fighting back by investing in key battleground states and defeating Trump-backed anti-American candidates. So check them out at americansos.org and follow everything Amy does. She is a true leader and a true helper. Always look for the helpers. There will always be helpers, you know, even just on the sidelines. Because if you look for the helpers, you'll know that there's hope. The helpers are out there. We talk about it every single show. Check out the hashtag look for the helpers on Twitter. If you need a dose of inspiration, I will give it to you and share yours with me. We'll spread them far and wide and continue to try to keep people moving through these hard times. Look for the helpers is the hashtag. And when you're on social, you can also play guest the guest every Wednesday night. We had a very cool one with Amy and some of you guessed it. I don't know if any of you got it, but you can find out more about all of this stuff we're doing at independentamericans.us. You can also see video of my conversation with Amy there and you can find out why Alabama Republicans are pushing to change primary elections. Yes, the Alabama GOP is the latest group to try to close open primaries. You got an open primary in Alabama, and GOP chairman John Wall is trying to change that. This is bad, 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 and a part of a growing effort we've talked about on this show to close open primaries in America, which squeezes out independent Americans. It perpetuates the two-party duopoly and its voter suppression. So we've been tracking on this and warning on it in independent Americans, and you should check out our previous episodes and see how you can push back. And be sure to check out our recent episode 171 on closed primaries with John Updike. It's one of the more important ones we've done because every week more primaries are closed to independent Americans who continue to be the most powerful political group in America. I told you I couldn't vote in our primary here in New York because I'm an independent and they have closed primaries. Well, now we see what the race is going to look like. Lee Zeldin will be the Republican nominee, a Trump supporter from Long Island and a Republican and Kathy Hochul will be the nominee for the Democrats. Now, in pure statistical terms in New York, Republicans are actually a third party in New York because they are outnumbered by non-affiliated voters. So in New York, there are more independents than there are Republicans. Imagine what we could do if we were organized. Imagine what we could do if we could vote in the primaries. That's what the future can look like. Check out more at independentamericans.us and be a part of it. 
While you're there, you can also see the recent press hits we've been stacking up. I continue to be a regular on News Nation AM with Adrian Bankert. You can check that out at News Nation. I'll also post it on the website at independentamericans.us. I talked about the four incredible heroes who were awarded the Medal of Honor by the president this week at the White House. Four Vietnam veterans, incredible stories. I also went on my friend Pete Dominic's podcast to talk about July 4th and the hat that my wife hates that I wear on July 4th. We talked about how conflicted some Americans are about the flag, about Roe and the military, and about what toys my boys have been eating lately. It's always a fun time. Check out Stand Up with Pete Dominic. You can find it anywhere you get podcasts, and I'll link to it in the press section at independentamericans.us. You can also join the fight and support this show by joining our Patreon community. Shout out to all our Patreon members. You're going to get special content with Amy. I ask her what she's listening to. I ask her what she's watching. And here's the toughest question of all. For return guests, I'm going to offer not just the waffles versus pancakes question, but is a hot dog a sandwich or not? Patreon members, you will find out Amy McGrath's answer if you are a member. Special content coming just for you. That's all at independentamericans.us. You can also get merch and find out about everything Righteous Media is doing to continue to bring you the five eyes and everything we do. Independence, integrity, information, inspiration, and impact. And the Top Gun team at Righteous Media makes it possible. Creative Chris Rosenthal, brilliant Bill Schultz, and precise Paula Hernandez. If you want to come up with call signs for any of them, by all means, sound off on social and let me know. And the other part of our flight crew that helps this fighter jet of a show keep going are, of course, my family, my wife and my two boys. July 4th was amazing and difficult and interesting and weird and is now my annual tradition and celebration of our incredibly talented, often frustrating, sometimes weird, always amazing, truly inspiring country. I again shared my America playlist, Rykoff's America playlist. I'll link to it in the show notes. I also posted it on Twitter. And 4th of July was great, but it was also a heavy one. We had a great one with my family. My son marched in the small town parade nearby, proudly representing his t-ball team, waving to the crowd. I went for a little motorcycle ride in the mountains, and I found an old cemetery with the grave of an old soldier, Charles Widener, who was born in 1897 and died in 1966. He served in World War I, and he had a classic poem from Walter Savage Landor on his gravesite. It said, I strove with none, for none was worth my strife. Nature I loved, and next to nature, art. I warm both hands before the fire of life. It sinks and I am ready to depart. There was also a town field day in my area with local farmers and businesses and a dunk tank to support the local Little League. We went swimming with my brother and his wife and his daughter. My cousins got to hang out, and my brother surprised my son with a quad. Yes, he gave him a quad. We now do July 4th presents in my family. And what's more American than a quad and a Spider-Man quad, no less, a 110cc quad. Yeah. Then we went to the annual Margaretville Town Fair and Fireworks to see all our friends from the community. My sons got to see the little buddies. We got to eat chicken to benefit the volunteer fire department. A band played covers. We ate way too much junk food, lemonade, hot dogs, fried dough, fried Oreos, all of it. Then 
We rode rides until the fireworks came on and everyone was together. Barely a mask in sight. Thank you, science. That was nice. But it was still somber. My thoughts were with the brave heroes fighting against tyranny in Ukraine. My eyes were scanning for shooters and cover for kids if I needed it. My heart felt bruised after all the COVID loss and domestic attacks on our values over the last couple of years. But still, I adore our country and our people. Most of them, anyway. And I'm going to fight to make it better every day. And on Independence Day this year, it needed more of our fight than ever. But on this Independence Day, I was never really fully present. But still, I celebrated the best of what America is and what it can be. And I tried to teach my boys as much as I could. I celebrated and appreciated them celebrating with their little friends. I solemnly appreciated all that I could from the examples of the volunteer firefighters to the kindness of strangers who cheered my little boy proudly marching for his t-ball team to the people who all held their families tighter when the fireworks went off this year. We're all hurting, grieving, unsure, but we're still in this together. And together, we can make it better. If tomorrow and in all the many hard days to come, we make it so, together, all of us. Like it said in the Declaration of Independence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives our fortunes, and our sacred honor. The lessons of America's birthday are the same as the ones from January 6th, are the same as the ones from September 11th, and are the same ones for right now. Because this is a time to man the walls of freedom and liberty. And America's more divided than ever before, but in independent Americans and righteous media, we're trying to change that trying to add light to contrast the heat. And so if you're among the 42% of Americans who are independent, this is your show. If you're a Republican or a Democrat and you're not a diehard partisan, this is your show. All Americans are welcome. All friends internationally are welcome. Join us and be a part of the solution. And check out all the other Righteous Media podcasts, The Firefighters with Rob Sarah. He's got one of our favorite guests, Richard Nav Navioski, a firefighting legend and a songwriter. Rob's got a great conversation with Nav and a bonus song from Nav himself. And little Frankie Sarah whipped up a delicious lemon berry firecracker cake. That's a perfect treat for the holidays and any day that ends with a Y. That's on the Firefighters podcast. Check it out. And over at B-Dorm, our friends Don Elevert and Jericho Turner are taking a break this week, but Chris put together a mixtape of their greatest hits to hold you over. It's a fun look at the show and the hosts and everything B-Dorm's all about. It's fun, smart, educated, and doesn't take itself too seriously. Pour yourself something and drink sexy and go check out B-Dorm. That's the Firefighters and B-Dorm anywhere you get podcasts, anywhere you got this pod or at Righteous.us. Help us keep sharing the hope. Because hope is the oxygen of democracy. And right now, we need hope more than ever. Top Gun is back. It's the top movie in America this year. But it's also pretty damn real right now. And American fighter jets against Russian fighter jets 
may be much more likely now than they were in 1986. What's old is new again. What's classic is always popular. Heroism, action, leadership, it's always popular. And it can be better than before. It can be better than the original. Just like America. Instead of Goose, we have Goose's son. Instead of Kenny Loggins, we've got Lady Gaga. Instead of imagined dogfights with Russian MiGs, we've got the ghost of Kiev fighting them for real over the skies of Ukraine right now. Instead of all men pilots, we've got women too. Like Amy, we can be the change we seek. And this version can be better than the last. If we all step up and get in that cockpit... So stay vigilant, my friends, because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. And you're not alone in your vigilance. We're all vigilant and we're all in this together. All across the skies of America this summer, all across the skies of Ukraine, all across the quiet skies of Afghanistan, we are all still in this together. Little two-year-old Aidan McCarthy to Herschel Woody Williams, from Hans Zimmer to Lady Gaga, from Tom Cruise, to Miles Teller, to Amy McGrath, to you. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Thank you for listening, and thank you for going on this flight. Down with Putin, Slava Ukraini, and stay vigilant, America. Media.